We return to 1 Corinthians 13, which we have begun to expound in a, a short series of messages. The great love chapter in which the apostle commends to the Corinthians a better way than their fixation, their childlike fixation on things that are important but not half as important as love. Let us hear God's word. We will be considering verse 4 today, and let us reread verses 1 through 8. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly or inappropriately, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, charity never faileth. Well, let us be somewhat candid and honest with ourselves that although we may tend to look down on the Corinthians, these youthful believers who were flush with the excitement of their new faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, yet were rather immature in many ways, let's not flatter ourselves as though we have somehow attained and as though we are not also so oftentimes acting like silly, foolish children, getting so distracted by things of relative importance and missing uh, the obvious. The Apostle Paul, uh, he tells these uh, Corinthians that the gifts that they have been given, these miraculous gifts that were connected with the presence and the witness of the apostles, that these were good gifts of God at that particular time in the history of the church, but because they were handling them in a very childish way, envying and boasting, Paul says, come here. Let me show you a more excellent way. It is the excellent way of love or charity. We pick up in verse 4, looking at these... uh, these descriptions, these aspects, these dimensions of, of love, of Christian charity. And we 
consider uh, this morning in verse 4, charity envieth not. And here we have a, a series of descriptions that now are in the negative. Charity does not envy. Charity does not vaunt itself. It doesn't put itself up and out. It isn't puffed up. It doesn't behave itself inappropriately. It does not seek her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. So within Christian virtue, there's always the positive and the negative, not negative in a bad sense, in fact, quite the opposite. So much of virtue is the absence of that which is wrong. And that which, quite frankly, is not helpful, but hurtful and destructive. And like children, we just tend to drift, don't we, into these paths that are anything but excellent. So this better way, this better way, Corinthians, this better way, you Christians here in East Greenwich, Let me show you this better way. Charity, love, does not envy. Why is it? Why is it that love uh, does not envy? Well, the short answer is because of how love for the one who has been begotten of God, who has tasted and seen that God is good, The Lord has poured out the love of God by His Holy Spirit in her heart. She finds herself unable to engage in this. Charity does not envy. It's because of how she thinks and feels. And that's how we behave. Isn't all behavior really traceable back to how we think and feel. We always do what we think and feel is good, and we, we never really do, ultimately, what our thoughts object to and our feelings find repulsive. Or to put it another way, you will only do what you are disposed to do and will never do what you are not disposed to do. It's that simple. And so with love. If we are to ask charity, and and it's almost as though she's personified, like Lady Wisdom in Proverbs. Here is charity, and she simply cannot envy. Why is that charity that you do not envy? You cannot envy. You cannot be jealous. What's because of what's inside? Well, that begs the question, doesn't it? And so, having considered the short answer, why is it that love does not envy because of how she thinks and feels? We need to consider the long answer. And so, first, if we are to understand why love, why charity, really, why the Christian who has been born again, who loves because he has first been loved. It is because 
of her creed. Because of her creed. You remember how we've spoken about how this this chapter uh, very uh, obviously is a not only is it inspired scripture but even on the very surface of it it's some of the most impressive and striking literature that the world has ever seen and and so that's why even uh, in a kind of ecumenical way you have uh, Jews and Roman Catholics and Unitarians who deny the divinity of Jesus. Oh, they'll they'll put it in calligraphy and frame it and put it in their church because we can all agree that we should love each other. But that's superficial, friends. Because charity thinks. Charity feels as she thinks and behaves as she thinks and feels. So why is it, Charity, that you are not jealous, that you do not descend into that petty tendency of each and every one of us? Not to be content, but always to be looking over the fence and grumbling. Well, then you must know my creed. She will tell us that she has a deep regard and respect for God, who he is and what he does. This charity that does not envy, charity envieth not, she does so because of her deep conviction and faith in God. God, you see, is the only basis for love. Without God, you have no reason for love. Again, a little bit of apologetics here. If there is no God, what is love but the physical process of your biology? Chemicals and environmental stimuli. Nothing more than that. How can you praise it? It's just, a, it's just the, a slightly more uh, uh, impressive thing, at least to us, as the final spasms and convulsions of a snake that has just been uh, beheaded. That's all that it is. But we all know, we all know deep down that love is more than this. There's something transcendent. Why? Because there is a God who is the very reason for love, the meaning of love, the one who defines love, who regulates love, who says, don't follow after the pretenders. Do you want to know love? Love is to love me, says God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's content, friends. That's a creed. That's the creed. The great Shema. 
of the Old Testament church. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. In fact, there can be no such thing as this more excellent way if there is no God. But there is a God, and God is love. See, the the reason for the excellence of that love that is not petty and jealous is because of God. Because that soul has reckoned with God. You take God out of the equation, and it's a bloodbath. You must know my creed if you are to understand my deed. I have a deep regard and respect for God. The fear of God is central. It is controlling. I have a regard, a respect for others that follows my reverence for God. It's not just myself, because God has made us. Once again, that that ancient creed recited by so many believers at their baptisms. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. So simple and yet so profound. Our help, said the ancient church, is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and the earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given unto the sons of men. We are not the products of blind randomness. On the sixth day, God made man, male and female, and not a single individual, although it began that way. But God looked and he said, it's not good that man should be alone. So of one he makes two, and of two he makes a countless world of those who bear the image of God. And you see, charity believes this creed. I'm not alone. I am not an island to myself. You do not exist for me. We exist for God And then for each other. Selfishness has a creed, doesn't it? I am. But not charity. God has made me. He has made you. He has made us. He has fashioned our hearts alike, designing us to live in community, in harmony. The Lord calls upon me to respect not just my dignity and worth, which God has given unto me, but my neighbors as well. 
Observe that love always involves respect. You can't have love where there's no respect. That's why men who, without principle, simply gratify their pleasures and whisper into the ear how much they love this woman, and yet they don't respect them. Therefore, they don't love them. Love always involves this honor, and charity does not envy. Charity cannot envy because of her creed concerning the nature of humanity. She believes that God has graciously and freely bestowed good things upon all. He has given good things physically, financially, socially. He has been lavish in his abundance. He bestows good things upon all, although he does it variously as it pleases him. And is it not lawful to do with his own what is his? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. He is benevolent. He is generous. He lavishes good things upon humanity, though he, do, though he does it variously, to some more, to some less. But charity believes these things and believes that God would have us respect and be happy with the state of affairs. First of all, to be grateful. Not to, not to grumble at the measly allotment that he was pleased to give us because we look over at our neighbor and it seems he's got a little more. I'm sure if you remember from your childhood how, how very uh, silly isn't even the word. As children, how how we would look upon a friend who was given this nice new toy. And you may have just been given the very thing that you were waiting weeks and months for the day before, but as soon as you set your eyes on this new toy that your friend had, oh, then you don't have anything. I remember one time, my father's family uh, took me and my friend to to a store, and my birthday was coming up. and And uh, my friend and his his father said, "Well, Michael, what what do you like?" We're in the toy section, and I I pointed something that I really liked, and and then we left, and and they didn't buy it, and I was really out of sorts. Then I got it. On the day of my birthday, they had bought it for me at another time. But how ashamed, at least now as I look back, 
I wasn't content. I wasn't, I wasn't satisfied with the state of, of what God had assigned to me at that particular point. But that's not the way of love. The way of love sticks to the creed and carries it out consistently. God would have us happy and thankful with our lot in life. Now, charity confesses that God allows us, indeed calls us, to improve our own condition. But that we do it not simply for ourselves, but to be able to bless others. Mordecai was exalted, wasn't he, in Persia. And we read at the end that he was accepted of the multitude of his brethren, seeking the wealth of his people and speaking peace to all his seed. You see, that's why God gives us good things, talents, abilities, Maybe, maybe an outgoing personality, artistic creativity, broad shoulders, wider hips. He designs them all differently for certain purposes and functions. And we are to rejoice in what God assigns to us. Charity cannot envy, because this is her creed. And so she is, in fact, quite happy with the state of affairs that God has assigned for her. Know my creed, and second, know what contradicts it. We read, didn't we, in Ezekiel, that while... God had raised up prophets of the Lord speaking to the people of God. There were always those other voices, weren't there? The other prophets. The ones who had a very different message, who had a very different creed. The father of lies is always busy. Beware, my friend. Beware, of the subtlety of the serpent. Beware the deception that is, that is seeping into your mind and heart. Beware what you expose yourself to. Beware the company that you keep. Beware the, the books, the literature that you read. Keep your eyes open. Watch and pray. How many times did Jesus say in his ministry, be not deceived? Charity envieth not. If you will know why I do not envy, says charity, know my creed and know what contradicts it. Envy is contrary to everything I believe. That is what the Christian must say. That is what the true Christian cannot not say. I am compelled to reject envy. 
It violates my deepest convictions and sensibilities. Now, we should clarify that the word envy uh, in not only the New Testament Greek, but the Old Testament Hebrew is a word that can also be used for a virtue, that is, zeal. Now, envy bears similarities to godly zeal, at least on the surface, because godly zeal is not content in a good way. It's not content that God is being withheld his honor. Now, that's good zeal. There is a sacred intolerance of those who truly fear God and love him and love their neighbor who will not allow his honor, his word, his precepts, his worship to be trampled underfoot by the sons of men. David was was zealous for the Lord. Phineas was zealous for the Lord. And of course, the Lord Jesus Christ He was zealous. He was jealous for the Lord with a godly jealousy. We live in an age when when the great virtue is just to accept everyone and everything without qualification. You've always got to be nice. That's the paramount virtue. You've got to be nice. Well, how nice was Jesus when he drove out the money changers with whips? However, this is not envy, which is not content, and, and its discontentment has nothing to do with God's glory. It has everything to do with mine, everything to do with my honor, everything to do with my happiness. And you know, sometimes it's, it's easy, even for Christians and even pastors and, and, and elders and, and church leaders to sometimes confuse the cause of God and their own cause. Very, very easy because we're still unsanctified. And we've got to seek with God's help to separate these things, to be angry and to sin not. Oh, Lord, help us. But charity cannot envy with that carnal jealousy because it contradicts everything she believes. It contradicts her creed, which she cherishes and and delights in. Envy contradicts the Godhood of God. You see, the way we think and treat our fellow man is always theological. Don't think that it isn't for a moment. 
how you think and feel and act towards your neighbor, your wife, your husband, your child, your coworker. It reflects your view of and your relationship with God. Don't say that you love me if you won't love my image. It contradicts the Godhood of God when murmuring sets in, when we've had this manna for days and weeks. I'm getting so sick and tired of it, and I remember when I was back in Egypt. It's one of the perverse dimensions of our memory, our selective memory. We remember the good old days, and why can't they be now like they were then? It's defiance of God. How can love, true love, how can one that is born of God, who is love, how can we, who have been made to drink into the love of God by the Holy Spirit, how can we allow any envy or jealousy to coexist in our hearts and lives? If we find it there, we must drive it out. What happens when you, when you have a, a bat that, that flies into your house? Well, you don't feed it. You drive it out. It doesn't belong there. Christian, what do you have in your heart? Does it belong there? If you are a Christian, are you harboring envy and jealousy? It contradicts the Godhood of God. And... It contradicts, to use the words of Francis Schaeffer, the mannishness of man. I love how he put that. That there is something special about mankind. Envy, it contradicts the mannishness of man. Everything that is special, everything that is noble, everything that is worthwhile... This envy, this jealousy, it contradicts it. Envy cannot rest content with the good things one already has. All these things avail me nothing, says Haman, so long as I see Mordecai the Jew standing in the gate. Envy cannot regard the image of God in his fellow man. It sees no beauty. It sees no dignity, no worth, no respect. It, res- it, it cannot, envy cannot respect his, her title to an enjoyment of the good things that God gave them. And it cannot seek the good of the other. Charity says, envy is abhorrent to me because 
of what it always does. It always creates discord, division. For where envying and strife is, says the Apostle James, there is confusion and every evil work. You allow envy to settle into your heart and it will spread irresistibly and take over and bring about discord. Envy is always seeking others' harm and loss and rejoicing in others' harm and loss. And these things cannot be. It cannot be where love is. This is the better way. This is the more excellent way to understand why why noble charity is so excellent. You must understand what she cannot do. She cannot envy. She can't. And you cannot understand what she won't do unless you understand how she thinks. Envy to charity, envy to true Christian love. And if this is in your heart, if you are a new creature in Christ, if you, if you have come to see God in Christ, the love of God taking flesh, dying on a cross, then envy to you is an unspeakable evil, an affront to God, a blight on mankind, the degenerate spring of a world of strife, hurt, and offense. And so love says, no more. I will not do it. I cannot do it. It doesn't belong in me. I cannot envy any more than a beast of the earth can fly into the heavens or a fish can live on dry land. Charity envieth not. Now, friends, what the Apostle Paul is not saying is that the Christian cannot sin. If that was the case, why would he be showing the Corinthians the more excellent way? Because they're not walking in it, or at least not consistently. But I think what the Apostle Paul is here meaning to say is that fundamentally, at the very center and the core of every real Christian, is a principle that cannot coexist with sin. John puts it this way. He that is born of God sinneth not. Now, however much we qualify that, comparing Scripture with Scripture, let's not defang that text. Because one who is born of God has an essential principle inside. She is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. The sin that remains is inconsistent and is destined finally to breathe its last. And the life of the Christian is an irreconcilable war 
But the good news is that Jesus died, broke the power of envy and jealousy, and now that life of righteousness is living in us. And though there is the struggle, and though every day we must repent of our childishness and pettiness, we cannot not prevail if we are born of God and if love lives within us. This is the answer of love. Love, charity, why is it that you do not envy? Now, is this your answer? Is this the law of your mind? That's how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 7. Don't go to Romans chapter 7 as an excuse for complacency with your remaining sin. Romans 7 is meant as a comfort for those who struggle, not a hammock for those who want to go asleep. The law of the mind. The law of God is the law of my mind. I delight in the law of God after the inner man, though I see another law warring in my members. But can you say in your heart of hearts that God has put love there? And that you cannot endure this jealousy, this envy. Now, if you lack this answer, if you say, I I cannot, I cannot abide envy, you lack love. And if you lack love, you lack God. And though you have the ability to speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and you don't have charity, it doesn't profit you anything. Oh, but you say, I can sell all my goods and give it to the poor. I can surrender my body to be burned, and you don't have charity. You are nothing. That's what Paul says. Now, for those with a tender heart who are being challenged and are not resisting, oh, don't resist the Holy Spirit. Even now, if He is wrestling with you, don't resist Him. Ye that love the Lord hate evil, and so hate envy. Identify it and mortify it first in yourself. Jonathan Edwards, among his resolutions, he made it a point. If he should ever see something amiss in someone else, he would immediately look at his own heart and see if he could find it there. He would be harder on himself than he would be hard on others. So identify it and put it to death. They that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Track it down. 
brutally put that monster to death. John Owen said, if you are not killing sin, sin will be killing you. Where do you find it? In what foul den of your soul is it lurking? And don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Just because it is there and it wants to get the upper hand, the sign that you don't want it there and that you want to hunt that bat down that doesn't belong in the house and have it out, that's a good sign. But don't get lazy. Don't get complacent. Continue to pursue. If your house had termites, would you be content if you simply had one small portion cleaned up and and rid of these pests? No, you'd make sure that you continued until every last one of those little fellows was gone. We've got to be relentless Christians. Well, if you will exercise this grace of love, let us not only uh, be combating that, that which is so foul, this envy, but let us be practicing its opposite, contentment. More often than not, the best, uh, the best offense is a good defense. And so, uh, let us engage in the practice of gratitude and contentment and rejoicing with others. Rejoice with those that do rejoice and weep with those who weep. Here is the more excellent way. Have we gotten lost? Have we gotten off the beaten path? Let's get back on. And if you've been walking this more excellent way, keep your head down. Don't get proud. Continue to follow close on the heels of the Lord who loved you and gave himself for you. May God add his blessing to the preaching of his word. Amen. Let's pray. We ask now thy heavenly blessing to be upon us at this time, and would thou cause thy favors to be with us and upon us as we would enter into the world that is filled with envy and jealousy. Give us thy love, we pray, through Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. We now have the opportunity uh, to observe Uh, solemn vows, the uh, elders